on TV, online, and on Second Thought, let's do talk about the pokers. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Coming up on today's show, James and I spent all kinds of time together this week. It's like we renewed our vows. I do. We ran a poker night for a bunch of bankers who won us in a charity auction. Actually, strictly speaking, they won Lee Jones and we were brought in as last minute substitutes. That's cool. That's, I mean, I'll say it's an upgrade just for the fact that they got two for the price of one. How about human trafficking, anyone? How do you win human beings? Uh, We played the UK IPT Super Series at the Hippodrome and one of us ran deep. Uh, We've got some adventures in online poker where one of us ran deep shark cage heat number three is complete and we're probably gonna have the winner on and it's probably jen shahadi spoiler alert man i keep getting that wrong <laughs> i just cannot get that right Superfan versus sapes take us all the way to atlanta georgia for the walking dead no he lives in wiltshire in the united kingdom the show takes place in atlanta georgia oh. i know nothing about the walking dead but the good news is I've got a Walking Dead expert who assures me he's come up with some stellar questions. Fantastic. And uh, you can tell by the number of times I've been interrupted during the opening segment that it is my turn to announce my work wife, James Hardigan. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, thank you to everyone who tweeted after last week's show, especially Pedro, who is always first man in. As soon as that thing drops on iTunes, he is listening to it. Health and safety? Fuck him. He's he's wants to listen to the podcast. Didn't you say you're starting to get sick and tired of Pedro? Well, <laughs> I like the fact that Pedro is a fan. I like the fact that he's organizing the super fan competition as a PokerStars home game. His live tweeting of the podcast, however, it could be curbed a little bit. But Pedro did say another great show, and it was the perfect remedy for an uneventful Thursday. Clearly no health and safety disasters. No, nothing. At Pedro's work. Zero days without an accident. Uh, Jamie Robinson says, thanks for making the commute home that little bit more enjoyable today. Uh, Paul Walsh enjoyed the interview with Squid Poker, Sam Grafton. He says it was hilarious and says Sam was a good match for Stapes. And he went, oh, and an alien reference from James Hartigan. The only other person who picked up on that alien reference was our audio engineer, Giles. Um, I forgive me when I say, um, oh, good for you. I thought you were reaching for a drop that went, I don't give a shit. Um, that's Keith, coming up later. <laughs> Keith Woodward uh, says, I'm begging you not to have any more Stapes Airbnb stories on EPT Not Live. I can't handle it. What did I talk about last week where I'm ha- comfortable having a, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting yeah. one over the thumb. That's yeah. my favorite euphemism, by the way. Oh, Jesus Christ. Putting one over the thumb. And hello to Tom Brown, who listened to EPT Not Live en route to dusk till dawn for the Grand Prix. Hashtag motivation. And it was good motivation because Tom went deep in this event. Did and actually really? made day two, yes. That's cool. You know, I've never made a day two before in my life, including the UK IPT Super Series, which we'll get to later on. Yeah. Uh, we did our little, uh, a little charity. I had a fun time. Did you have a good time? It doing was that? actually quite fun, all, all things considered. Uh, basically, a bunch of guys who work in property investment, they explained what they did, and Joe and I just sat there and went, uh-huh, uh-huh yeah, yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sounds good. Yeah, involves mm-hmm. some kind of investment and Profits debt and, and leveraging uh, and interest and, uh, payments. Yep, and yep, mortgages, yep. yep. And they paid at a charity auction for a chipset signed by various members of Team PokerStars Pro, including Daniel Negreanu and Liv Barry. But as an added bonus, the idea is that someone from PokerStars 
comes to your office and runs a poker game with the chipset. Our director of poker communications, Mr. Lee Jones, had been booked for the occasion. They said, please, 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 let me get some of that, Lee's. Low down. Low down. Sadly, Lee got his wires crossed, got his dates confused, couldn't make it. So as a substitute, they sent in Stapleton and Hartigan. And I think I think we did a pretty dang good job. Now, the question that you asked, James, though, over under and how long Lee Jones would have lasted <laughs> with those wanker bankers, because uh, they were some they were lads, you know, they were a bunch of lads. They weren't they no, were men together. Now, I will say that uh, when we walked in, we got this speech from uh, poor Ch- Ch- Chloe, Chloe, poor Chloe. And, you know, James basically ahead of time asked, like, what is everyone's skill levels? Because we don't want to talk down to people. No, you don't want to patronize people. But equally, you want to ensure that everyone understands the rules. And and if we need to do a tutorial from scratch, we'll do a tutorial from scratch. Exactly. And her response was, oh, no, no, everyone's pretty well versed in poker. A couple of them have considered going pro. That was, I have that in writing. Now, it turns out that considering going pro is kind of like when you bring your baseball glove to a Yankee game, and you th- you have delusions of grandeur. We knew something was up when we walked into their conference room, and some of them had printed out the ranking of hands. Correct, yes. The hand rankings were, were available. Now, to be fair, they did all know the hand rankings, and they did all have the basics down. And I have to give these guys credit. For a, a group of guys who I would have expected to act like a bunch of know-it-alls, they asked a lot of questions. Good they, questions as well. They asked good questions. They were all very curious about what happens in the poker world and on tour, um, and th- none of them were real know-it-alls at all, which was really nice and refreshing. A couple of them had a little too much to drink, and one of them, I don't have a problem saying it because he's American, I was just asked him straight up, like, are you the idiot they keep around to keep everyone entertained? Because I can relate to that. <laughs> the office monkey. No, he was like, basically, like, he. I don't know if he was putting on an act the way I do a little bit, but he was a little bit of a dodo. And I was like, hey, he would, he'd like, at one point, either they or he sort of sick bragged that he had gone to Harvard. And I was like, let me guess. There's like a library or something at Harvard <laughs> named after your family because it's the only way... I can imagine you would ever get in there. And the thing is, he didn't get the joke, which story checked out. But <laughs> those guys, those guys are really fun. But I will say that had the game gone on like maybe another 30 minutes, shit would have got real in there. Yeah, I think the uh, average gin and tonic intake had reached a point where we needed to bring the evening to a close. Yeah, absolutely. I was starting. Uh, th- that's the problem is that when everyone ran out of beer and they had nothing but these like promo bottles of gin around, we we're like, well, let's wrap things up. Oh my God, I was time shaving so badly. Like, so at first, we, like, started, with, we started with 25 minute levels. Now we're going to have to 20 minute levels, 15, 10, five. Well, the weird thing is every time you ask me how much time was left, I would look at my, at my phone and then subtract two minutes from what, <laughs> so if it was like four minutes left, I'd be like two minutes, only two minutes left. They seem really happy. And oddly enough, on the way out the door, they tried to hand us a big fat tip. Like I didn't actually see how much it was, but it was at least four or five 20 pound notes, maybe more. And I was like, no, 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 we couldn't possibly. And then I look at James just to see if James is going to give me the nod of approval or not. And James immediately agreed. That, that money could- should definitely go to the charity, which they obviously contributed to quite decently when they bought the poker chips and the poker evening. Oh, yeah. And I asked them. I was like, hey, guys, I was probably a really rude question. I was like, hey, what does this cost you? How much you guys pay for this? And they didn't actually answer me, but I think it was in the thousands. I think they paid. So Is that the most anyone's ever paid for a night with Joe Stapleton? No. 
No, actually, it's not. Way, way long time ago, I met this German girl in a club, and I was like, this club sucks. Do you want to get out of here? Like, I just walked up to her, and she was like, yeah, and we ended up having sex that night. And then um, uh, a couple of days later, I was talking to her in IM, and I really wasn't that into her. And a couple of days later, I was talking to her in IM, and she said, oh, my God, it was like one of the best nights of my life. I'm like, what what can I do to see you again? I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It was not really that great for me. And so I was talking to my friend I am at the same time and I was copying and pasting the message. By the way, I was like 22 at the time, all right? I'm not really like this anymore. Copying and pasting the messages. I can, but it was on AOL and some messenger. That's how long ago it was. And my friend goes, tell her to pay you. I was like, what? No. And he's like, tell her to pay you. And I was like, all right, why not? And so that's, that's all I'm going to say from there. She paid thousands of pounds for a night with Joe Well, Stapleton. you know, it was like exchange rates and stuff. It was probably on the range of like $60, but it's still, it's the second most okay. anyone's ever paid me to spend a night with me. Let's move on. Uh, I gotta, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about something right now. It's gonna lead us into uh, this week's edition of uh, a social media beefs. But, uh, so, this happened to me twice, James, in the last couple of weeks, and I know you can't relate to this, and maybe some of these guys, Giles, Ben, or uh, James in there who've got Facebook accounts, this happened to me twice in the last few weeks where someone has friend requested me, and as you know, I accept all friend requests, especially, you know, I feel like it's part of the, the job, right? Uh, but one of them was a woman that I actually met in real life at the Vanessa Selps charity event, one of them was just a random uh, fan, I think. They friend requested me, and the second I friend request me, I get a notification from them saying that... They've attempted to add to my timeline that I live in New York City. I don't understand. So, like, if you have a Facebook profile, right, right. I can, like, go on and say, like, oh, it doesn't say where James lives. I'm going to suggest that James lives in London. And then if you click yes on it, it pops up on your profile. James Hardigan but I'm lives in London. I assume that, A, you have chosen not to say where you live on your Facebook profile. Secondly... You don't live in New York City. Correct. Well, they, they wanted to both add that I live in the New York City area. Okay. And so, um, and so uh, this guy, this um, Alexander Brooks, uh, for example, he clicked on it three different times. I got three separate notifications that said, uh, Alex would like, uh, would like to add you as a uh, uh, living in New York City. And so I immediately went to his wall and wrote, Hi, Alex. Thanks for your friend request. Please stop saying that I live in New York City. Thank you. And he wrote me, immediately wrote me a message and said, that post on my wall, was it meant for me? And then I sent him a screenshot of the three requests. I got three notifications in a row from you, like that within seconds of accepting your friend request. He writes back, lol, leave it to Facebook, lamau. All I did was send one request. Lol. Sorry. Here's my question. Why are you sending one request in the first place? Why are you trying to tell me where I live? Why? Why is that even a thing? Why is even one acceptable? It's not, I tried to do one lol. I did one. I'm a fucking weirdo. And once again, we come to that point in the show where James Harskin admits how grateful he is that he doesn't have Facebook. And once again, we come to that point in the show... Social media beef, so to you, my friend Alexander Brooks, eat a big old fat pile of shit. You got any social media beefs this week, James? Because I got a long list. Um, to be honest with you, I've had a relatively quiet week on social media. It's been generally nice stuff, so 
Over to you, Joe Stapleton. Okay, here we go. After you and I went and saw The Martian, which I Great movie. was like a 10 out of 10. Certainly a solid 9.5, if not a 10. Right? Uh, to the Bob G, who said that uh, The Martian was... A tad over the top. He's entitled to his opinion, but he is wrong. Nope, eat a big old fat pile of shit. Social media beefs to John Maybach, who responded to the same thing, saying, meh, eat a big fat pile of shit. You are miserable people. Anyone that didn't like that movie is a miserable person. By the way, what I like to do is I like to go do a drive-by when people, uh, when people, you know, say negative things on Twitter and I read their timelines, right? Yeah. And it's just all negative shit to everyone. You're obviously really unhappy people. So eat shit, please. Just eat a big old fat pile of shit. <laughs> Who's up next? Oh, at false nine who tweeted, could you shut up you unamusing douche and then deleted it. But don't worry. I saw it and took a screenshot. Eat a, eat a big old fat pile of shit. <laughs> who else is on here? Hold on. Oh, to the guy yesterday, Lloyd. Where's Lloyd on here? Lloyd45, who wrote, The fact that the first word of your profile is comedian is the funniest thing you've ever said. Eat a big old fat pile of shit. I feel like I had more social media beefs, but... I guess that's it. We'll just do one more. To be fair, there's a lot of people out there right now who have been instructed to consume a pile of shit. That's right. So much fucking shit's being consumed. Enjoy it, everybody. Enjoy it. What are we? What's up next? <laughs> uh, we are going to the Hippodrome off Leicester Square for this week's event recap. Event recap. Event recap. Thought I'd wheel out this old chestnut as we were in London town this weekend for the first ever UK and Ireland Poker Tour Super Series. So these are the kind of smaller UK IPT events. I think most UK IPT mains are like either a grand or 700 quid to buy in. The Super Series was 500. The, the lower buy-in events are normally 250. So this is pitched somewhere in between. Um, it's one of the biggest buy-in events I've ever played. It was a three-day event. There were three starting flights, and you and I, Joe, were down there last Friday for Flight 1C, along with Mr. Jake Cody and Mr. William Kasouf. Now, Jake Cody, to be fair, had already played Flight 1B. That is true. And re-entered 1C. But uh, I guess we should start with my story of the tournament, since it's significantly shorter than your story. <laughs> um, first of all, thank you to all the folks who came out, came down to say hello. A fellow named Marius came out. It was hilarious during the last break of the night. Uh, there was one guy, a guy called Chris, who'd actually been sharing my table. And we were kind of, we were just standing by the door waiting to go back into the tournament room after the break. And Chris comes up and goes, um, do you guys mind if, if, we, if we get a picture? And I'm like, oh, sure, of course not. And when Chris took a picture, then suddenly five or six other guys came out of the woodwork and said they wanted a photo. We are more than happy to chat. We're always approachable. And 
What was awful is I discovered after we took all these photographs, we were standing right against the sign that said toilets. So apologize. <laughs> I apologize to everyone who got home and discovered they had a selfie with us. That's apology number one. And secondly, that it was against a sign saying toilets. Can you call that apology number two? Since that's what people... <laughs> Very yeah. good. Okay, Very cool. Good. I'm glad you got that. Yeah, so this guy, Mario, showed up, wasn't playing the tournament, just wanted to hang out for a little bit. And I will say that things got a little awkward with Marius in two different spots. Uh, one is that Marius, being a big poker fan, really wanted to talk about poker players. And he did the thing my old man does, my dad does, where my dad, he goes, what's that show I like? The one with the guy in the thing. And this is what Marius <laughs> is doing. He's like, I, he's like, I really liked, I'm going to do it on American accent, even though it's Romanian. He's like, Who's that guy? Uh, the kid, the kid and the lawyer. The kid who's training the lawyer. The lawyer is training that kid. Uh, Olivia Busquet, Dan Coleman. Yeah. Well, you know that now, but at the time, first of all, because he said the guy's name was Alex. His name is Alex something. Ah, that's going to throw you. Alex and the lawyer. And like, you're just, what the hell are you talking about? Finally, he comes up with Dan Coleman and Olivia Biscay. And then Jake Cody. Now, what happens a lot of the time is I put it out on Twitter. Come on down and have a drink. James doesn't exactly say the same thing, but he's, he's down to play the game a little bit. But the problem is people show up to hang with me and then I end up saddling other people with them. So I was trying not to do this, but I had to leave this guy alone with Jake for a minute when I went to register for the tournament. And Jake told him this story about how uh, Jake was in, I think it was a Latvia one time, and he and a buddy were eating in this outdoor cafe, and all of a sudden this huge, like, just gangster-looking dude, this giant dude with scars all over his face and these big meat hood hands comes up and sits down next to Jake and puts his hand on his leg and says, hey, you guys are going to need to leave this table. And they were like, sure, no problem. They went and sat in inside. And he said a few minutes later, a really old man and a ridiculously hot woman came and sat at the table they were at outside. And he assumed, you know, it was some sort of gangster who right. sends his muscle ahead of the time for his favorite table. This guy, Marius, is like, no, nah, that's probably not what happened. And Jake's, well, I, you know, that's kind of what it felt. He's like, no, 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 there's, there's, that doesn't happen. You've seen too many movies. This reminds me, by the way, of you telling that story at the PCA about the one pound tip yes, in the pub in Hornchurch yes. and the guy going, no, 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 that didn't that never happen. happened. Like, I don't understand why people do that. Even if you think the story is bullshit, shut the fuck up. Just <laughs> shut up. Agreed. <laughs> Just. I, but th this story sounds totally plausible. And also Jake's not the kind of person. Jake doesn't need to make up stories. He's not over Jake's got some no, amazing exactly. stories. So anyway, I just thought that was funny um, that like this guy like almost got into it with Jake for like little to no reason. Uh, I almost got into it with everyone at my table because uh, I got brutalized in this tournament as usual. I think an overview though is bearing in mind that it was like double the buy-in of the normal UKPT yeah. series at the Hippodrome the standard was not bad I mean there were actually some very strong players no I mean it was like if if you weren't gonna be in at the WSOPE or at the thing in Nottingham like if you're one of the London poker players that hadn't left yet like you're you're playing the super series well the thing event. in Nottingham was like 70 quid so a lot of the shall we say recreational players had gone to DTD the field in London, it was tough. Right. Yeah, it was a very tough field. I mean, just the fact that Jake Cody is there, I mean, that should tell you something. There were plenty of, like, a lot of the London regs were there. Who is that Spanish dude? Uh, Pablo Gordillo, who final tabled London the same year that Jake did. Uh, had that amazing run where he won three uh, online tournaments in one night. He was there, and there was another... Uh, there was another. Well, uh, I mentioned William Kasuf was there, yeah. uh, making more noise than we did, which is saying something. Yeah, which is fine with me because he can take some of the attention off me but anyway yeah so i got brutalized i paid off everybody in the world with top pair um just top pair never good um 
just stuff like you know flopping top pair calling three streets finding the guy had like value bet me with rivering two pair stuff like that um i'm a really nervous poker player i get what i call poker stomach every time i play poker so i'm like i just it takes me a while just to even to get used to losing pots actually is more like what it is you know and so yeah by the time i was actually feeling the swing of things i was down to my last uh my last uh, like I was below half starting stack by the time I actually felt comfortable there. I had this situation where, did you find that people were calling three bets really light? Dude, I was calling three bets. I was getting three bet and check raised every opportunity. Oh, like I three bet huge twice. And both times people called me with worse hands, like with like, like ace jack. I'm a complete nit. I never three bet. Oh. Well, no, I was three betting ace king both times, and both times I got called by like ace queen and ace jack, and both times they hit their hands. So it was just an expensive day for me. Sure, but during the early levels, I mean, what did we all start? We had a 250 big blind stack at the start. So people are playing deep, they can afford to, you know. I was making it like 1800. Wow. Okay. Uh, it, whatever. Sour grapes, I guess what it is. But my bust out hand is the real difficult one for me. Uh, my bust out hand. I, um, this is the hand you didn't want to tell the Pokestars blog about. It's not that because I just, I, it's a bad beat story. And I don't mind telling it here on the podcast because that's what I'm supposed to do is, is tell stories. But, uh, you know, um, I just want, felt like it was going to be a whining, just like another bad beat story. So I just didn't, I hope that wasn't rude for me to not want to tell them. Like, I didn't want to take content away. I just was no, like, no, you but don't it need was, to hear it, it. It was exactly. The point is, I think it was funnier to just have a kind of an amusing quotation from yourself yeah. without the usual. So, uh, so I had gotten really short and then we went on a break and I came back with like eight big blinds or something. And I managed to nearly double up on a hand that somehow went to showdown. I wasn't even all in. I like called, um, I called out of the big, I, I got a free flop in the big blind and flopped a pair of threes and it ended up being good. Like the guy bet one street and it was good, but it was good enough for me to basically double up to 16 big blinds. Yeah. So on the very next hand, I'm in the small blind, uh, and there's a, there's a limper and another limper. And then the button limps in. So I have three, four offsuit, but it's like whatever, 200 or something for me to complete getting whatever, like eight to one or something. Yeah. So I complete big blind checks and it comes jack three, four. And I decide I'm just going to lead at this because I don't want it to check around and hate the turn card. I don't, and maybe I'll get raised and maybe I can just get it all in. Um, so I lead out for about uh, half my stack. And, um, no, not quite half my stack. Um, I don't really remember maybe a third of my stack. Uh, and then I get one caller and then the guy on the button, uh, raises at which point I move all in the original caller folds and the guy who raised calls. And like I said, the, the board was Jack three, four, he called with queen Jack and it came running fives. So just horrible like just whatever just like the stupidest grossest way you can go out like i honestly even feel like if a queen or a jack came i'd be like okay fair dues like whatever like running fives is so disgusting and i was like it's really difficult for me because i don't play enough poker right like i don't play poker enough i fucking hate busting out like i hate it i am the ultimate recreational player i'm like well there's my shot at playing poker for the next three months or whatever and the other thing i'm not gonna make a huge secret about this i don't I don't pay the full buy-in, I'll just say, right? So there's like a lot of value in it for me. If I can only min cash, yeah. that's like a huge score for me. And the fact that I've been in like fucking four of these things at the Hippodrome and I can't even min cash drives me bananas. And it's so hard for me to go, good game, everyone. Hey, nice playing with you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So I have to go sulk for a while. I went and laid down in a booth for like two hours. Silver linings. Did you have 10% of anyone else's action? Yes, Joe? I did. 
And was that person still in the tournament after you busted? Yes, he was. And he is, uh, he is, you're the best horse I've ever had. You're, <laughs> you, in the words of Nick Welfel, are a min crusher. Like, you just know how to cash poker tournaments. I don't know how you do it, but you know how to hang on like a, like a turd that takes an extra grunt. You are just in there all the time. It's, it's, it's how to nittishly play a short stack. A nitty little turd. Short stack ninja. Um, I discovered this. I had the same experience as you during those early levels. I basically just got absolutely run over. I was the table mark. Yeah. I was the fish. The, everyone knew it, and I just could not get in a pot without everyone wanting to see a flop. And as I said, any C bet was check raised, uh, any re raise was re raised. I lost a huge chunk of my stack in a stupid hand where I turned a, I turned a flush, raised it got called, convinced myself the guy had an overpair, possibly with a big club in his hand. Fourth club hits the river, the ace of clubs. And I'm convinced that I'm just going to check fold because I know he just got there. Yeah. But at the point that he bombs the river, that's when I start thinking... Oh, no, you had you I were think, like, I'm ah, definitely doing this, and then you change your mind. But what if he's trying to buy it? What if he's trying to represent the club? Uh, so you end up paying him off with a lower flush, and obviously he takes most of my chips. And the bizarre thing is, this hand that I played so badly really affected me psychologically. And then I just ended up losing, losing, losing until I was down to a third of my starting stack. And this is going to sound so stupid. This is going to sound so fishy. This is going to sound so ridiculously superstitious. But the thing that turned it around yeah. was when that guy who had completely owned me in that hand yeah. bust out. Really? And I'm thinking, ha, huh, he may have got the better of me. He's a better player, but you know what? He's out and I'm still in. It's like when the guy standing at the urinal next to you finally leaves, so then your flow starts. Precisely. He's got you Very intimidated somehow. good metaphor. And then it helped that I woke up with aces in the big blind when the small blind had kings. Got a double up, stayed alive, managed to creep into day two. And then you just do what you stack. do from there, right? Absolutely. Although, doubled up very early on day two, ran kings into 9-10 because it was the guy's favorite hand. Ah! <laughs> I love that one. Dodged a bullet massively because I then double up to something like 25, 26 big blinds. Um, guy shoves from early position for probably around 11 bigs. I have 10s in the cutoff. I'm sitting there thinking of reshoving, because I don't think I can just call there. I think I have to rejam. Ask for a count. The dude to my direct left, Mr. 910 is my favorite hand, doesn't see that I still have cards, goes, I want to count, and starts chopping Ooh. chips. So I'm staring at him, thinking, yeah, I need to get out of the way here. Fold 10s, dude rejams with jacks. Wow. And eliminates the guy. I would have been eliminated as well. That's probably the well. bottom of his I'm very interested in what's happening here range. Well, someone says to him, dude, you still had like you still had someone before you to act who'd already requested a count. What would you have done if he'd rejammed? Would you still call with Jack? She goes, yeah. If, it, if it's him, I'll snap call. I want my money back from when he got me with kings. And that is how you play poker. That is how all the pros do it. So, have it, so that's basically how I managed to survive. Then, obviously, you know, several orbits, table changes. I mean, I my table, I was on the, the, la the first table to break, like, three in a row. So I kept getting new seating assignments, got to play with a lot of people, which was good, because I like to meet people. I like to talk to people. That's part of the game for me. We then get close to the bubble. You came down to the Hippodrome on the Saturday. Yeah, buddy. To, to rail and, um, and sweat your 10%. 
hand for hand from the player's perspective is fucking boring. It's your first. Is that your first hand yeah. for hand ever? Uh no, because I um, I, I've. It's the most. It's I don't the know longest. what it's like. I've never. I've never made. No, I've never made a day two. I've never made a dinner break. In all seriousness, I've cashed a couple of other, a few other events, but the hand for hand has been very short. It's been like one or two hands. This was hand for hand for an hour. Yeah. And it felt like a very long hour. Yeah, people seem like they're hanging on for dear life uh, during this uh, this bubble period, which you know makes sense. It's probably a pretty big bubble for most people. Min cash was a thousand pounds sterling, so the bubble burst, made the money, managed to ladder up one spot. Don't call me sterling. Uh, eventually managed to run ace queen into aces and this hand i am pissed off about because the guy on my right who was also a short stack i mean i had him covered just i had like 11 bigs at the start of the hand he had like 10 um instead of moving all in he min raises which to me was a tell i have ace queen suited i decide to jam he snap calls with aces and maybe you could say that because he min raised rather than open shipping that i should have seen that as a warning sign. i think that's playing results which by the way i think is the best way to play poker but apparently i've read in a book that you're not supposed to do that i think that like in hindsight you can go ah he probably was a was a giveaway that he had you know because he just raised but can you well, how many big blinds do you have 11. Can you really fold ace-queen suited when you have 11 big blinds? I'd made another nitty laydown close to the bubble where I'd button raised with ace-queen and the small blind three bet. And this guy had been tight as a rock and I just, he was screaming strength. And I'm not someone who can necessarily read people. He was literally screaming. He was like, strength! I heard him <laughs> out in the uh, But the just the, some, the situation just felt wrong. Yeah. And I, I fold ace-queen on the button to a three bet, which is so nitty. What does the guy show me? Ace-king suited. That's also a great confidence boost because you feel like you did the right thing. Yeah, Jesus. And it's one of those where long-term, that's probably a bad strategy to fold ace-queen on the button to a, a small blind three bet. But in this specific, specific situation and to use your um, words to play results... It was a good fold. Well, I think that a lot of times when we talk about long-term strategy, we forget that like we're talking about long-term strategy for like guys that are playing in really big events and playing online and playing with the best players in the world. And I don't know if there really is a long-term strategy for playing like, you know, punt poker when people are pretty straightforward. You know, it's like a... I didn't want to stay in. I was. I had an absolute blast. Yeah, it's I good. thoroughly enjoyed the experience. So where did you finish? I love playing at the Hippodrome. After that hand, losing ace queen to aces was out a couple of hands later because I was down to one and a half big blinds. Uh, busted in 29th place Shit. from a starting field of just shy of 300, um, cashing for 1,100 pounds, 110 of which went to my good friend and colleague, Joe Staples. Oh, hell yeah. I was all about that 110 pounds. We used that money to go see The Martian. Which was an excellent movie, as previously mentioned, and all the people who didn't like it have been told to eat excrement. TV recap. So Shark Cage continues on Tuesday nights on Channel 4 in the UK. The show is now available for everyone in the rest of the world to watch at youtube.com slash pokerstars. This is episode six. It's the second half of Heat 3. It started with all six players still in... And would you, Adam and Eve, it, Sam Grafton, first man out again. Whoops. Followed out the door by Ronaldo, the qualifier, Connor, Jake Cody, and then eventually, after it went heads up, Tito Ortiz, the runner-up, Jen Shahadi, the winner. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed the show. Just looking at the Twitter timeline, hashtag Shark Cage. Uh, ben McDermott was surprised to see that Brazilian Ronaldo plays professional poker along with UFC fighter Tito Ortiz. Ben says, get me in a tournament so I can meet these people. 
Well, the reality is that occasionally you go to a poker tournament and you do get to play with celebrities. In fact, at the Hippodrome event, I got to play with Billy Chataway, who what is... What is love, baby? No. Not that Chataway. No. This is the, I'm thinking Hadaway. This is the former footballer who was also a stand-in for Lionel Messi when he did commercial shoots, who actually played in EPT London. And we did that gag, remember, where you say, oh, wasn't this guy a stand-in for Ronaldo? And I say, it was Messi. And you say, well, I hope they cleaned it up. Yeah, it sounds like something. I, was, I have no no recollection of that, but I'm sure I'm sure that it happened. Good-looking boy, that Billy Chat Hadaway, Chataway. Lovely is. guy as well. I'm a big fan of Shark Cage. A lot of people wanted to talk to me about the shows, and I'll be honest with you, seeing some of the comments on some of the poker forums, I always worry what like hardcore poker players think. Virtually everyone I spoke to loves it because they get what the show is meant to be and they find it entertaining. So I don't have to tell them to eat a big old pile of shit? Not at all. Okay. Uh, Sarah Clark, also a big fan of Shark Cage. She is all over it. Lol. <laughs> Corey John says, I waited a week for Pokestar Shark Cage to see if Ronaldo wins or comes last, and he only lasted 15 minutes. I would like, who is the who is the woman, the first tweet there? Sarah Clark, the one I, with the hearts. I would like to remind Sarah Clark that um, lol is not punctuation. That and, is very and, true. And the rest of the she world. She also doesn't use capital letters either. Uh, Dean McNulty says, the real Ronaldo tried to bluff all in with 10 high and Tito Ortiz called with a pair of sixes, meaning that Ronaldo is the first person to go broke in the shark cage because he was left with like a couple of antis and was forced all in and had to watch his fate from behind bars. I thought that that bluff took ridiculous cojones i just that was awesome i think that was one of the ballsiest bluffs we saw i mean that's like a sarah shafak level bluff it just didn't work so it's not going to make the same waves also he doesn't have as nice a tatas uh well robert boyd concurs he says ronaldo on poker stars hashtag boss jordan says watching shark cage and wondering when all these sports stars became poker players good watch tonight glad you enjoyed the show jordan please that come back sounded next week. like it was going to be an insult but it wasn't. But well, then he turned, he flipped it. They flipped you for real. I think a lot of people liked um, the qualifier in this heat. Uh, Connor Callahan from Ireland. Vic says, bad luck, Connor. Uh, you know, he tried to make that move against Sam Grafton with his bluff. Unfortunately, he was bluffing a bluffer, so didn't get any yeah. cage money. Um, and yeah, he got a little bit unlucky. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to think, as with all the qualifiers, that they enjoyed the experience of being there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that he didn't win, but I, he, I think we talked about this already. He had such a good time in the Bahamas. I mean, he was at every bar I was at, hanging with professional poker players. He really fit in very well. So, you know, he didn't win a million dollars, but he did get the experience of a lifetime, probably. Uh, Keith says, I'd, I would kill to sit at a poker table with Ronaldo and Tito Ortiz. They are two giants in their own field and also fairly sick at poker. They held their own in the game, especially Tito, who, let's not forget, got heads up. Didn't we have Tito on the first episode of this show? We did. Was it th for this? Like, it was this episode of Shark Cage that he was shooting? Uh, he was indeed shooting that heat of that Shark so Cage. so long ago. He also played in the PCA main event, so we had him on the first ever episode of EPT Not Live talking about his time in the Bahamas, because it was our PCA recap show. Wow. How far we've come. That was only March <laughs> of 2015. It's really not that long ago. Oh, it feels longer. Uh, Nikki Elizabeth cannot wait for next week's Shark Cage because her fave, Ronnie Bada, is on the show. She says, Ronnie, don't make the same mistake again. I, It would be difficult since Sarah Shafak's not playing with him. But However, there are uh, three females in that heat. Really? 
And uh, you'll get to see how Ronnie gets on next week when we move Shark Cage to Monaco and bring you heat number four. And that means that three seats in the final have now been filled. Daniel Negreanu, Maria Ho. Winner. And of course, the winner of this week's heat. It did come down to a heads-up battle between Tito and Jen Shahadi. And eventually, Brains triumphed over Braun. So let's say hello to Jennifer Shahadi. Heat three winner. How does that sound, Jennifer? Wonderful. Thank you. Is it bad that when you said the brains herself, my brain wasn't used to hearing brains followed by a female pronoun? That's because you are a renowned misogynist, Joseph. Is it? Or is it because the world is, really, James? Yeah, but on the misogyny scale, you're probably tipping the average. I disagree, but we're ignoring our guest, which is actually kind of misogynistic, James. So if you could, <laughs> if you could stop... I thought you were going to be upset on my behalf that I should be the bronze. You know how much I've been working out, right? Do I don't know how much you've been working out. Have you been working out a lot? Uh, yeah, well, actually, the last few weeks, no, because I've been in Europe. But I've been doing CrossFit on and off for like the last couple of years. So. Wow, Jen would have mentioned CrossFit within the first minute had I not been going on about that whole thing, which I think <laughs> is, it's like, part, it's one of the rules of CrossFit, right? That you have to tell people about it almost immediately. Yeah, just because it's so great, you want other people to do it. Now, now Mr. Hardy, I'm not trying to play down uh, your physical form or your physical abilities. However, if you were to step into the cage with Tito Ortiz, my money would probably be on him. Oh, misogyny runs rampant on EPT <laughs> Not Live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, he was pretty scary. He was in the, the cage with a lot of the, the guys, right? So, yeah, must Jen have been pretty intimidating. Uh, I, was it intimidating playing with him or did you feel s relatively safe because, you know, nothing weird was going to happen? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was definitely it was uh, it was great. It was really fun playing with him. I mean, actually, I was a little nervous because I hadn't played a lot of poker on TV. And um, when I found out about the lineup, I was just I was like over the moon because it was just so comfortable. It really felt like it, just a party. So wait, when you say you're over the moon and it was comfortable, do you really mean because you thought you were playing a bunch of fish? No, I mean, I guess you could say that we that I got a little lucky in that there were two athletes, professional athletes, and in a lot of heats there were one extra pro and like and so technically you could say I was lucky, but I, I actually meant more from just like the point of view of it being fun and comfortable, really. See, and this is what I wanted to bring up mostly with Jen here is that Jen really puts a lot of thought into things. Now, Jen, on the show, <laughs> I did call you a classic overthinker, and I was wondering what your reaction was to that. Oh, when did you do that? Um, at what point? What, I think what, that was in the, in the first episode of the two. I think it's the hand, Jen, where you have the nut flush, and Tito decides to bluff raise the river. Now, there is a potential straight flush out there, but you probably think for longer than the average player in that spot. Oh, no, obviously I'm thinking about raising. I mean... Ah, but with the cage in play, you realize the value in calling. Yeah, exactly. I think if I, if I actually had the stone nuts, it's really close and it's probably... I mean, it's hard because it, it depends whether Tito ever calls with like a jack of clubs. But yeah, like it's... It's a maybe a raise because the value of the chips in the pot is worth probably more than two thousand dollars, even if he only calls like X percentage of the time. I mean, it's a really big pot, and winning the heat is worth one hundred sixty thousand dollars. So like you can do the math. Yeah, you see, and 
But this in this conversation right now is exactly what Joe's referring to. Because if I'm in that spot, I'm like, I'm going to put this bloke in a cage. I call. Exactly. And so, Jen, bef- you know, before you played in the show, we had a couple of conversations and you were running algorithms and mock sit and goes and you're bouncing your calculations <laughs> off the International Space Station. And I told you you were overthinking things. It's just a sit and go. However... You won, and so I kind of feel stupid. Uh, how big of an idiot did you think I was when I was telling you, like, hey, come on, it's a, it's a six-handed sit-and-go in a turbo. Like, have a good time. No, I totally agree with you, actually. I was the first one to say that I was totally overthinking it, but what what other chance am I ever going to get to, like, um, you know, spend all that time just developing theory for this new game that you guys developed, right? It's It's like I was aware that I was overthinking, but doing it anyway because it was really fun. Well, I was going to say that. I mean, that must be it for you. I mean, it's like to me, that sounded like, oh, man, like Jen's just like killing herself, doing all this homework. But for you, that that's fun for you. Mm. Yeah, it's super fun. Absolutely. That's what I like. I mean, that's what some people find that to be like the boring part of poker, like the math and the theory. Um, I I find that the the most fun part. Yeah. And and be honest, how tilted would you have been had you lost heads up to Tito? Um... Yeah, I'd probably be pretty tilted. I mean, I did, I did get pretty behind it. Some, no, I didn't get behind it at some point, but I think he came back pretty significantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would, it would have been sad. It's hard, you know, to be the equ- the amount of equity involved is just so great. So, I mean, even somebody like who's a massive high roller like I Caxton, I lo- I saw him after he lost the heat to Maria, and yeah, he wasn't happy. You know, it's like a really, it's a really big deal. Now, even though it was a you know a short turbo six-handed format did you attempt to apply chess-like long-term strategies in the game or did you were you just kind of along for the ride well just kind of what you were talking about before about mapping out some of the stuff because i know you know the funny thing is i'm actually not that quick about thinking like people think that because i'm a chess player i think really fast or something and that's not really true like if i had to figure out the stuff about you know, how much the pot is worth in terms of like actual equity and trying to compare that to $2,000 on the fly, I would just have no chance, you know? So it was just about trying to do some of that at home so that I, my mind wouldn't get caught up about it um, when I was actually playing and I could just enjoy myself more. Yeah, I kind of feel like going into something like that with a long-term plan is like all well and good, but like the chance, it's like planning what your speech is going to be when you like approach a girl at a bar. You're like, I'm going to say this, and then she's going to say this, and then the the first second it goes wrong, and really you're just along for the ride after that. And I feel like that's kind of what it's like, you know, trying to have some sort of learn ter- long-term plan for this. Too many variables, but also going in, you kind of have an idea of how a Sam Grafton or a Jake Cody's going to play, but... Sometimes it's all well and good to say, oh, we got two sports stars and, you know, they're not professional poker players, but they can be dangerous because they're wild cards. Ronaldo, for example, does not play like anyone else you'll ever play against. He doesn't play game theory optimal, you're saying, James? Correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So you have to just think a lot on your feet. So probably just the best thing is just something cliched, like to eat something and get good rest. But I totally agree. Like if you have a plan, it's just absurd, like trying to figure out how many what how many chips you want to have by the end of uh, day one of EPT Malta. I always find that kind of like comical, right? You just go in there and and play yeah exactly it's like okay so i'm gonna set them up and then i'm gonna like portray this image and then mostly you're just like you know playing straightforward what your cards are uh did you feel like uh having some other big talky personalities at the table like sam and tito um made it easier for you to fly under the radar can we just quickly say it one more time sam grafton first out again absolute debacle i'm fuming yeah Aww. sure 
Don't. Yeah, I, I really like Sam. He's great. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was that that was also wonderful because we know that you want us to talk and everything. And so um, I, I, you know, I, I went into it knowing that I wasn't going to be like stone silent trying to figure out every situation. But really, Sam makes it a lot easier because like if there is like a moment where you don't have anything to say, you know that <laughs> you're going to be all right. And had Sam not been there, would you want to be like one of the bigger personalities? Like, you know, obviously he got the most screen time because he's the loudest and we had the hardest time uh, lowering his volume in the mix. But, uh, you know, we if he hadn't been there, would you have maybe taken more of the reins? Or are you sort of happy with the, the role you had? Like yeah, I talked. I talked enough. I think yeah, I talked more than I use a lot more than I usually do at the poker table. Although I can really go either way. Like sometimes I'm just chattering the whole time when I play, and then uh, you know, it just really it all depends on, on the rest of the table. So like I'm really influenced by the people around me in that way. So I I think that yeah, it had had this actually this heat actually I think that it was a. Uh, it was pretty good, although it actually got really serious when we were three-handed, and I felt like I was actually uh, talking the most um, because it just it, the the, pay, the pace and the stakes are so uh, the pace is so fast and the stakes are so high at that point that it kind of feels like people are like, eh, we can stop talking a little bit now and just try to win this thing. Yeah, plus three-handed, everyone's a lot more active and a lot more hands, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot more it's a lot trickier. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Jan, we spoke to Maria Ho, who you mentioned defeated Ike Haxton heads up to go through to the final, which in the real world has already taken place. Some people deduced from that interview that Maria Ho wins Shark Cage. So I'm just going to fuck with the audience right now and say, Jen, we're looking really forward to seeing you go to Monaco when you win Shark Cage season two. So now people don't know whether that was a bit or whether it's and, real. And listen how quiet Jen's being. Maybe, yeah. maybe she's the winner. That could be a tell. So we've got EPT Malta on the horizon, Jen. It'll be the second time the European Poker Tour has been to Malta. Uh, what are your expectations? Were you there in the spring? No, I wasn't. I, I missed that one. So, And I heard really good things about it. People told me that it was kind of inexpensive and fun. So I'm looking forward to it. What events have you got mapped out? Are you doing like the local event or just the EPT? Oh, I'm definitely doing the IPT. Um, I, I, I hear such great things about those prelim um, main tours like Eureka and, and the, the IPT in this case. So. When she says she hears great things, what she means is she hears how bad the players are. <laughs> <laughs> also big fields, which which is obviously means big prize. Right. Big yeah, that's right. Exactly. So I'm going to play that and then I'm going to play the main and then I'm going to play a bunch of Neil Johnson's like freaky events if I bust. I, I love his like the random things that nobody's played before. The Neil like, Johnson hand on your thigh event. That's one of his freaky events that I've, I've, <laughs> I've actually participated in myself. Well, actually, it'll be interesting to get your take on this, this Jim, because I, we don't try and get into too much kind of hard hardcore poker debate on this show. But there has been... A conversation online, shall we say, amongst the 2 plus 2 community about what Neil Johnson is doing to live events and particularly to the PCA where some old school players like Chainsaw are like, you've ruined the PCA. It's all turbos and novelty stuff. But I get the sense that you're all in for that. Oh, I love it when they have turbos after the main event because it's like at that point. You want to, you know, win a win a poker stars trophy or something and enjoy the sun, but you don't want to be like sitting there for hours pre Annie, just uh, you know, it, it it really doesn't. It's not really um, 
making sense for me. I like the idea of the post limbs being kind of turbo-y. I think people are upset more because of the rake being higher in proportion than it used to be. And they're saying in particularly because it's a turbo, you can't justify like the, justify it by this or that means. But I think they don't realize that actually the live events often lose money and that they're like awesome promotional events. So. Well, guess what? If Kessler's out, I'm out. I'm not playing any of those goddamn events either. Jen, uh, one last serious question, then I got a game for you. Uh, I don't know uh-uh. how our uh, how our audience, uh, if they're big fans of yours or not, but there may be some people out there that don't know that similar to the way James and I do poker commentary, you do chess commentary. When you say similar to the way we do commentary, what you actually mean is that Jen is probably a lot more professional. I have no idea. I don't know if she is or not. That's what I want to ask her. What's doing chess commentary like? It's really hard because it's so many hours. So you really have to be on for a long time. And yeah, I I watch you guys um, on EPT Live and it's really really amazing how many hours you, you keep at it. Yeah, but um, the irony it, is we just go off the reservation and talk about random shit and don't actually mention the poker. Does that happen in chess commentary? It does, and people tend to get a little bit upset when it happens. Yes, they do! Assholes! Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah, but then, when, then if you only talk about chess, you also lose audience. So it's just like no matter what you do, you get a lot of haters. Oh, I'm so uh, glad someone else knows the pain that I go through. That's yeah. wonderful. So you really just have to focus on how many people are are watching and not on uh, what people are saying because it's it's pretty it's pretty insane some of the the trolls that you get going. And just I'm sorry, just one chess analysis question: How much analysis is there after the first move? After the first move, I mean that's yeah. where all the analysis comes. The first move, there's really nothing to say because. It's all been it's all been said before. Thank you. Okay, thank God. Okay, that's what it's in my head. I was picturing that, but I just wasn't sure. It's like the opening rays in poker, right? Like, what are you supposed to say about it? Yeah, you can't talk forever about whether two point five x or two point four x is better, right? And oh, that, okay. That's the same thing in chess. Like, you, what can you say? E four or D four? Well, E four is better, but that's just my opinion. What do you What do you play in the first move? Um, I, I don't know what any of that means. I only know what the pieces do and like what the general goal of the game is. And that's about it. Like I basically know the hand rankings. So what, 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 okay, fine. So what, what move would you make? I would, I would move, move? I would move a pawn and I would move it (laughs) forwards one step. I know you can move one or two steps forward. I would move the pawn that's just off center to the right. One, one step forward. If you could do two steps, why would you just do one step? I don't know, because it seems like some kind of trick to do, too. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. Okay, that's interesting. Right. It's a min-raise versus a 3x. Correct, yeah. Why would I Why would I risk all those extra board spaces? Which one, yeah. is, which one is the minor? Which one can defuse the bombs? That's Stratego. My producer's telling me that's Stratego. Jen, uh, your, your official chess title is w- Woman Grandmaster? Is that how you say it? No, I don't really use that title. Thank God. I, I don't like, like a, that either. Yeah. I have like I, it's just it's just some title that the the international chess body gives you, but uh, I have a lot of like other titles that I usually use instead. Well, I'm sorry, but I I based an entire game on the fact that you have the title of Grandmaster, oh. so you're you're gonna have oh, to go okay. with it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. All right, we're gonna play a little game where I'm gonna quiz you on other masters. Oh God, I'm gonna do, be horrible at this. Don't worry though. For each question, I'm gonna give you a little bait. Okay. Are you ready to play master bait? Okay, let's do it. I Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to give you the bait. Actually, you no. tell me the master. If you win, you get nothing. If you lose, you have to announce to the world that you're terrible at masturbate. Terrible at 
ter- how can you be terrible at masturbate? Well, well, let's see. Well, there's ten questions. I mean, everybody should be a winner in this game. You gotta get up. You gotta bet better than a fifty percent to pass masturbate. Here we go. The bait. Castle Grayskull, Skeletor, Tila. And if you need help from James on the first one, because the format's a little weird, James can help you. So it's a master. This would be a master of the. Um, Skeletor. Skeletor is not what we're looking for. James, go ahead and give her the right answer. So Castle Grayskull, Skeletor, and Tila are all part of Masters of the Universe. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, God. So all these are going to have Masters, and we're going to give... That one's just a practice round. So okay. You, now, oh, now you got okay. the format. Okay, here we go. Now we're playing for realsies. Question number two, the bait. An apron, a cookbook, $250,000. I'm playing the wrong music, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I like the music. Apron, a cookbook, or $250,000, huh? What? Those are all three of the bait for this particular master in the game of master, mas- master bait. Right, the particular master. Apron, a cookbook, um... Who would use an apron and a cookbook? Um, a master chef. Yes! Correct. Well done, Jen. You're one Why, for one. Oh, oh, $250,000. Okay, I've never watched the show. That's the grand prize for MasterChef? Correct. Ah, uh, okay. Here That's we go. So much less than Shark Cage. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. Good pub <laughs> there. Uh, the bait. Mel Gibson, Tina Turner, Thunderdome. Um, Mel Gibson, Tina Turner. I, I'm really bad with pop culture, guys. You're, you're exposed to me. That one's Master uh, Master Blaster. Two Master men and Blaster. Okay, I didn't even know what that was. Jeez. Okay, here we go. Here we the go. Worst. We're gonna we're gonna skip the we're gonna skip pop culture. Okay. We're moving along. Sporting events, rock concerts, booking fees. Sporting events, rock concerts, booking fees. Um. If I wanted to go to a sporting event and had no choice in paying Master a booking card? fee. Oh, MasterCard, incorrect. Not bad, though. I didn't even think of MasterCard. Unfortunately, that was Ticketmaster. Oh, yeah, okay. We were looking for Ticketmaster. Uh, Jen, I think you're one for whatever right now, so I'm going to ask you... One for four? Yeah. Yeah. not bad in MTTs, right? Nah, this is not an MTT. You you have a chance. Actually, the first round we considered to be uh, a test round, so actually a one for three. So you do have a chance to tie the game here, which would mean that you would win right you said you needed 50 percent to win correct so so if jen gets this one right we'll continue if not we're gonna call it a day here on masturbate uh the bait par birdie green jacket okay so that's a that's golf but masters masters golf she said it masters she got it okay here we go Final question, James. You can see these here. Yeah. Which one do you think Jen's got the best shot? Uh, of the ones that are left. I think it has to be question number seven. Question number seven. Here we go. <laughs> Jennifer, the bait. White lines. Nope, that's not right. Seven White is, lines. Seven nope. is VII. We're getting rid of that. I was looking at Roman numeral number eight, not Roman numeral number seven. VII. The bait is Frags, United Nations Space Command. Combat evolved, and I'll just go ahead and tell you. Throw this word in there too. Halo. Halo. Hmm. Uh, hey, what, what? What are the other ones again? 
Frags, United Nations Space Command, and Combat Evolved. But really, all you need to know is Halo. Hmm. Um. Uh, Master Chief. Oh, she got it! Oh, Whoa, the last you second. jumped the gun there. I did jump the gun. Jennifer, you managed to get slightly more than 50% right, although we did skew things in your favor, so you don't have to say, I'm not very good at masturbate. Thank God. Right? <laughs> so you won. I Jen wouldn't want to say that over the air. No, my God, you wouldn't want to say that at all. That would be embarrassing. Jen Shahadi, thanks so much for being with us. Congratulations, and we'll sort of see you in Monaco in the past. And in Malta. And Indeed. in Malta. Looking forward to it. See you guys there. Bye. So I kind of went easy on Jen there. I, I eliminated some of the questions I didn't think she was going to get. Do you think you would have got some of these? The bait. Magnum Higgins of Ferrari? No, I don't really remember the TV show, to be honest. Robin Masters? No, never would have got it. Um, Russell Crowe, Naval Glory, Best Picture nomination? Master and Commander, Far Side of the, far, far side of the World. Look at that. I would have just taken Master and Commander. Um, the sad thing is, I think that there was meant to be a series of movies under the Master and Commander banner. Yeah. But even Appar Apparently just being nominated for Best Picture wasn't enough. Well, the weird thing is, I thought it was an excellent movie. I thought so too. But it was it really cool. it didn't really do much at the box office and unfortunately didn't lead to a franchise. Whereas other movies, not so good, now have about 18 sequels. Like Human Centipede. Uh, here we go. The bait. White Lines, The Message, On the Wheels of Steel. Grandmaster Flash. Grandmaster Flash, that's correct. Uh, those are the two I left out. No, one more I knew she wouldn't get. I don't know if you'd get this one either, James. Don't try me. The bait, literally the bait. Nightcrawlers, crayfish, Ratlin Rapalas. I've got no idea what you're talking about. Bassmasters. What's Bassmasters? It's like a fishing TV show. Never heard of literally it. Literally the bait here in master bait so anyway let's uh let's go to the lobby yeah because jenny is obviously going to malta we're going to be there too uh, so let's just recap the key dates the festival is already underway in malta because it's a big one with the ipt the italian poker tour preceding the european poker tour the ept main event starts this weekend and as far as our live coverage is concerned you can watch ept live from Tuesday the 27th of October, taking you through until Saturday the 31st of October, Halloween, with a spooky final table which will crown the second main event champ of season 12 of the EPT. So yeah, we'll have coverage from day two, day three the bubble day, days four and five, and the final table with cards up coverage. Hashtag EPT Live if you want to get in touch. Pokerstars.tv slash live is the place to go to watch the stream. And if you are thinking of heading to Malta, remember we've got just shy of 80 events, many of them, including the ones that Jen was talking about, the funky Neil Johnson events, very affordable. But we've also got the job fair in Malta too, so don't forget about that. You can have your poker holiday networking trip. Precisely. Representatives of the Pokestars HR team will be in attendance. As well as doing EPT Live, Joe, we're going to be doing something a bit funky, which we've never tried before. EPT Not Live, Not Live? Well, it's actually, we're calling it <laughs> EPT Not Live at EPT Live. We did say at the start of this podcast, when we started doing it, that on the weeks when we go on location, we wouldn't do a show. Well, do you know what? We've changed our minds. We're actually going to do a show in Malta. We're going to record an episode of the podcast, probably a shorter edition than normal, probably closer to 30 minutes than an hour. Yeah. But we're going to shoot it. 
in vision as well. So you know like those radio shows like Howard Stern and Mike and Mike in the morning where they have like webcams in the uh, in the radio studio? We're going to have cameras pointing at us. We're going to get the waster, Matt Broughton, the third member of the EPT Live commentary uh, team involved as well. And the three of us are going to sit down one morning before the start of play. We're going to record an episode of the show and you'll be able to watch it as an actual video show during the breaks of the live stream. And if it's good enough, and obviously if, a very big word for just two letters, if it's good enough, we'll put the audio version out on iTunes, Stitcher, and at pokestars.com slash EPT slash podcast as well. So a bit of an experiment. If it does work, if we like doing it, yeah. and we think the fans enjoyed it, and it makes good break content, then maybe it's something we'll do from every stop next year. I like it. I like the idea. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm really excited for a couple of things uh, coming up about uh, this is that um, we get to play one of my favorite um, hashtag games. Uh, you know, on EBT Live, we'd like to play a lot of contests and stuff where we get to spookify poker players' names, like from The Simpsons. We'll do that one this week coming up in Malta. I believe there is also going to be a Halloween themed picture quiz, one of our multi day contests. So, an incentive to watch every single day of EPT Live on Pokestars.tv is to tune in for that picture contest. And of course, we'll have free rolls every day. Oh, and that reminds me, this is a public service announcement from EPT Not Live. The password is superfan. The password is superfan. What am I supposed to do with that? Just write it down? Trust me, by the time people hear that, they'll know what to do with it. All right, good deal. Hey, everybody, it's time for a little bonus adventures in online poker. Adventures in Online Poker! What I like, Joe, is that you weren't put off by your experience at the Hippodrome. You basically jump back in, albeit online, and fired up a number of tournaments on Sunday nights. Yeah, I thought I was playing well. Like, I feel like, you know, I always cons- I always say I'm not a very good poker player, and that I'm also unlucky, and that's a deadly combination when it comes <laughs> to playing poker. But I thought that I was playing pretty well, and I did get relatively unlucky at the, uh, the Hippodrome in a couple spots. And I just thought... You know what? I'll have a relaxing Sunday night. I went over to my friend Charlie's house and uh, and just decided to fire up the uh, the Sunday tournaments. I decided to play the Sunday Million, the Sunday Storm. It's like eleven dollars, and then it was like Knockout Week. Yeah. So they had like a knockout version of the Sunday Storm. Basically, cool. it was eleven dollars, and I managed to cash in two of the three of those. Boom! But not the Sunday Million, not the real expensive one, uh. um, which sucks. And my my bust out hand in the Sunday Million was so annoying. Please, um, not another bad beat story, is it? Well, it's it's just an interesting hand. Okay, no, no, interesting hands are good. They're, they're, it's there's I mean, a fine line it, between it interesting does all hand go, and- it does all go in pre flop, but it is fairly interesting. Uh, I, this one I actually have the details. Uh, blinds were a two and four hundred uh, with an ante of uh, I don't know whatever. There's three hundred sixty in the middle for ante, so is it an ante of thirty or something? Yeah, thirty times nine, three sixty. Um, and I am under the gun plus one with jacks. And so I'm actually just going to, yeah. And under the gun makes it 853. Now I have 8,740. I have 20 big blinds. Okay. Um, and so under the gun is raised, but I have jacks. Uh, so I don't really think, you know, I'm not, I don't really want to straight jam 20 big blinds. So I just, I just, uh, I just three. Oh, actually I just called weird. 
See, I'll, um, I'll be honest with you. If, with 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 around twenty big blinds and jacks yeah. in that spot, I don't know. This is this might not be the right play, but I'm probably just going to go for it. Yeah, I think. No, it. I think you're right. I'm actually surprised that I'd played it this way, to be honest. Um, so I just called. Um, I guess you know what it was. I thought I just wanted to see a flop and just see if it was a safe. Do you flop know why? Or not. Because when you started playing poker, a wise man said to you, "Kid, yeah. always <laughs> see a always flop. see a flop." So I think I just wanted to see a flop and. And maybe just get away from it if I had to with some overcards, you know, like an ace or a king hits. But then what happens, next two players fold, next three players fold, and then the cutoff, three bets real small to thirteen hundred. So I've got eight fifty in there, eight three bets to thirteen hundred. Um and this I don't really mind either. Yeah, but at this point, and again, non expert, but this is what I would personally do, having massively underrepresented your hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Through, the, 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 this point, the, sl the bar's getting slid all the way to the right. It doesn't end there, though. Oh. Then the button folds, and the small blind also calls. Hmm. So now we're over to the big blind, who folds. A lot of dead money out there. So uh, the original under-the-gun razor also calls. So now, obviously, I'm like, well... This is weird. Like, it's an under-the-gun razor. I flatted, which should look really strong. Then the cut, like the cutoff calls and the small blind calls. Like, I have no idea what anyone's got, but I'm like, cool. Doesn't really matter to if me. If in doubt, shot. Exactly. When, like uh, Kevin McPhee says, when in doubt, whip it out. So uh, that's what I do. I move all in for eighty-seven hundred. I get called by the player in the cutoff. I get called by the player. Sorry, the player in the small blind reshoves. Uh-oh. And uh, the original razor folds. Don't tell me you're up against ace nine and jack seven. You are not far off, my friend. I'm up against ace jack. Wow. And king queen. Wow. And so, obviously, I'm really excited at the prospect of tripling up until an ace hits the turn and it's all over for me. So I was really fucking tilted, like really upset that two guys could play a hand so badly. I mean, I don't know. I rarely say people play badly, but I just don't see how you can, um, how you can. So under the gun raise, I flat, cut off, flats with ace jack, and then calls a four bet all in with ace jack as does king queen yeah the ace jack and king queen merchants i'll be honest with you i'm probably not playing those hands that's so that fucking ridiculous so they can eat a big old fat pile of shit but too as far I'm as i'm concerned great believer in accentuating the positive joe let's talk about the two tournaments you cashed in yeah uh, i cashed in the sunday storm regular for something like 30 bucks or something okay I mean, so pretty much a, a near enough a min cash for an 11. right but what i didn't realize when i'm playing the other one and i'm going deeper and deeper and deeper i'm like how many players started this tournament because i didn't i didn't know this is the knockout week the one, knockout right? week one Twenty thousand one hundred eleven players bloody hell started this tournament and i don't check until long now i think they paid something like 2500 places 2400 places and so basically long story short uh, I played in this thing until five o'clock in the morning. Holy shit! And I finished thirty fifth. Wow, that's a of, great result. Yeah, out of twenty thousand one hundred eleven. The problem is, I think I have the email in front of me. Um, finishing thirty fifth place, you are entitled to um, zero. Hold on, where am I? Well, I can't believe you cashed for zero. No, no, hold on. Whatever. Basically, 35th place, 
because it doesn't even matter. 35th place gets something like 0.22% of the prize pool. And so um, I cashed for $230. Uh, and I think about, what was it, 70-something in head prizes? Yeah, I think just shy of 80 bucks. So 310 I cashed for like 60 in the other tournament. So I basically stayed up all night long for a profit of like 50 bucks. Um, yeah. Which is I don't mean to laugh because no, it's, it's a great thirty fifth out of twenty thousand players. It sounds so much better than it is though because yeah, it's still it you really want trash bags. You really want to be thirty fifth in the Sunday Million rather than in the eleven dollar or Sunday just Storm. all of them. Like just you don't get real money till the final table. Like yeah. it was twelve thousand dollars for first place it in this is thing. It's bizarre um, the way the payouts are so flat and so small's the wrong word, but I guess just you know a, a minimal return on investment until you get to like the top 10 and then it just goes batshit crazy yeah and I mean, the jumps are just ludicrous i mean that's the whole point we're not telling anyone anything new who plays a yeah, lot of mtts but for us for guys that really don't play very often it's always kind of a head scratcher moment when you play till six in the morning and then you're like cool well i have just enough for my cab ride home now um i will say it did remind me of one thing about playing online poker and that's the whole note-taking process now, I remember I learned how to take notes from back in the day when I used to date a professional poker player named Christy Gazes, and we used to play on Sundays a lot together. And basically, Christy was a very meticulous note taker. And by that, I mean, when someone would beat her in a pot, she would write on the note OTL, and that just meant they were on the list. And that's it. Wow. That was like her extensive list of note taking. And so I do the same thing now. I'm like, fuck this guy. This guy's a douche. OTL. <laughs> I don't actually take any j bona fide notes. It's just it's not basically, like kind of, you know, never three bets light. No, nope. you know, if, if he doesn't see bet, he doesn't have it. That kind of no, no, no. nothing useful. Just kind of like I, I fucking hate this guy because he won a pot against me. Yeah, it's suck a fat one, eat a bag of dicks. Those are the sorts of notes I take, and I'm willing to bet <laughs> that if you amalgamated all the notes that it would be mostly like of all the people who use them it would be mostly those and a lot less of never three bets light okay it's time to try and send someone on their first step of the way towards playing a european poker tour main event it's time for this week's edition of one of them loves the ept knows it inside out and would do anything for the european poker tour the other one is joe stapleton it's Superfan versus Stapes. Time to say hello to this week's Superfan. His name is Scott Campbell. Welcome, Scott. Hello. Scott, where are you from and what do you do? Uh, I'm from a town called Chippenham uh, near in Wiltshire, southwest England. Chippenham. Yes. All it takes is a Chippenham and a chair. <laughs> Scotty Too Hottie wrote to us, said he wanted to do The Walking Dead. It's that easy. One week later, one and a half weeks later, bang, you're on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm a, I'm a tire builder as well. I build car tires. That's, what's, uh, what brand of tire do you build? Uh, Cooper. Cooper tires. Those are good ones, I think. I got some hand kooks. What do you think of the hand kook? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Really not so good? 
<laughs> well, I have to support my own brand, right? I understand. I understand. What's really weird is I went, uh, I went, I had a flat tire and a few years ago, and uh, the guy told me something like, "I got to replace both your tires because yeah. uh, you know they got a match or whatever." And he's like, "I got these new tires called Hankooks. They're pretty good." And I was like. Sure, whatever. Just give them to me. And then, like a week later, I saw them in a commercial for a video game for like a sports racing game, and I was like, "Yeah, that's right. They I, are cool." I can say with all honesty, I have no fucking idea what tires are. You're so out of the tire game, buddy. You're such a tire noob. Look at this jackass over here. Doesn't know anything about tires. What an idiot. Am I right, Scotty? I do, however, know that tires should be spelt with a Y and not an I. Why? Why? Correct. Why? <laughs> You're with me on this one, right, Scott? I've got your support for the correct spelling of tires. Of course, of course. Do you also think curb should be spelled K-E-R-B? No. No. Okay, good. Uh, let's get to the action. So, yes, you did mention, Joe, that the specialist subject that Scott's going to be answering questions in, and you too, is The Walking Dead. Now, this is not a TV show that I watch. Once again, I've outsourced the questions. Let's see if we do any better. This week, the questions have been compiled by a gentleman known in this office as the Zincmanator. Or as he started calling himself Zincmenator, because he spelt Zincmanator incorrectly. Uh, He's half man, half Zincmanator. He's the Zincmanator. Okay, so bear in mind if these questions are A, too easy, B, too rubbish, C, have incorrect answers, we are going to flog him later on. Um, Let's get the music started, Joe. Superfan versus Stakes. And Scott, competing for the Step C ticket and the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. You get to choose whether you go first or second, odd or even. Um, I'm going to go second. Okay, so Joe, uh, you get the first question. question I'm going to move my pawn two spaces forward, we just learned. So Joe, where does Rick lead the survivors in the first season? In the first season, he leads them to the Center for Disease Control. That is correct. Yes! Joe goes 1-0 up. Your question, your first question, Scott. Who is the creator of the TV series? Uh, Robert Kirkman. That's correct. That's not the answer I've got. It's... it's what, give, give us the other creator. Robert Kirkman created the comic book. No, and... no, no. I, you're jumping ahead of question. No. Oh. Who is the? I'm going to give you another chance. Who is the creator of the TV series? Not who created The Walking Dead. Um. Well, I would have thought it was Robert Kirkman, but I don't know. There's a few. Of them, okay, I'm going to I'm I gonna think, throw this to the judiciary panel. I think to you should get half a point for that. Okay, I'm going to give you half. A, what 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 answer would you give me if I gave you I that question? Well, I would have started with Robert Kirkman, and then if you like said. No, then I would have gone with Frank Darabont. Well, Frank Darabont is the answer that I've been given. It's both of them. Okay, because question three was who wrote the original comic book series. Yeah, we're just going to skip that one, I think, since I... Okay, fine. (laughs) I'm going to stop outsourcing questions to you people. You're all fucking useless. I don't see how you can create the TV show without the creator of the comic book. It has to be both of them, right? Well, he is heavily involved. Yeah. Okay, basically, I'm going to call it one plays one plays half a point at the moment. All right. So basically, let's give you a different question, Joe, then for your next question. In series three, where did the group of survivors take refuge? A prison. That is correct. Your question, Scott. What is the name of the place where the main group takes sanctuary after leaving the prison? Um... 
Uh, I would say Alexandria, I would have said. Surely. Do you know the answer, Joe? Terminus? Well, the, well they, I wouldn't say they took sanctuary, but fair enough. It's, yeah, I don't know, that's a... They were more like... Get him in here now! Get Sigminator in this room now! He is going to stand they, in this room and defend these James, questions. They attempted, they attempted to take sanctuary there, and they were immediately taken prisoner. So I'm not sure if you would consider that sanctuary or not. They were heading there Jesus. as sanctuary, <laughs> and then were sort of captured, and then were almost eaten. Because, well, it, it depends, really, because after the prison, Rick and Carl and Michonne ended up taking sanctuary in a small house, so... You know, there's loads of different things, but... Right, yeah. so... That, okay, I'm going to eliminate that question Would you well. consider a cow <laughs> be, having sanctuary in a slaughterhouse? Because if so, then that was a properly worded question. Right, let's get to another question, shall we? I'm going to give you an alternative question, Scott. Scott, how's, uh, it fe how's it feel to win a Step C ticket through incompetence? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just right. wanna... let's, let's see if these questions get any better before I literally pummel someone's face. What is the name of the British actor who played the governor? Okay, is this for me, is it? This is your question. Uh, David Morrissey. That is correct. So we now got one and a half for Scott, two points for Joe. No, actually we had Julian Morrissey, is what's written here. <laughs> Julian Morrissey. Joseph, what is Daryl's weapon of choice? A crossbow. That is correct. Three plays one and a half. Your question, Scott. What is... This isn't even a word. Mikono, Michono? Michonne is one of yeah. is one of the characters. Okay, Michonne. I think it's meant to be Michonne. What is Michonne's weapon of choice? Uh, samurai sword. Two and a half points to Scott. Joseph, what year and month did the first episode air? Wow. Okay, we went from like, what color is Rick's hair to fucking what was the <laughs> original air date? Are you fucking serious? October twenty uh, twelve. Scott, you can steal, and I'm going to give you a clue. Joe got the month correctly, but correct, but he got the year wrong. Uh, 2010. That is correct, which means you now lead by half a point. I have the scores at three and a half for Scott, three for Joe. It's your question, Scott. Hey, is the, I'm sorry, is The Walking Dead the name of the show or the person who wrote all the questions? Both. What was the name of the first episode? Uh, is this me, is it again? It sorry. is you, yes. Uh, days gone by. That is correct. Well, I would not have gotten that one. I'm lucky I didn't get that. Okay, and um, there is a tiebreaker question, but we don't need it because by my calculations, partly by the incompetence of my colleague, but mainly through your own skill, Scott, you have won by four and a half points to three. Congratulations. Thank wow, thank you very much, Zinc Minotaur, for screwing me out I'm of I'm not going to lie, that was tense. It, now hold on. It was it as tense as like a good Walking Dead Walking Dead episode, or like one of the ones where they just like talk about zombies for like forty two minutes. And oh, then, well, like like a character building episode. Just like I don't know, man. Remember season two when like at the end, spoiler alert, everyone. So just just to warn <laughs> you, at the end of season two when Rick finally blows that little girl's brains out. Uh, it was Shane that killed her, actually. Whatever. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was it's Rick. Rick. Right? Get the fuck out of here. You lose, man. Take a step <laughs> C ticket away. How dare you? How dare you? Anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. That should have, that took six episodes to happen. That should have taken one. Like, that should have, like, that was the fucking stupidest, lamest, longest season for no reason. H have you watched the premiere from this year yet? Yeah, I've, um, I'm up to date and on the comics as well. Uh, no, I, I haven't, I haven't watched this one yet. The one that was on a couple days ago. Um, is it, 
I felt last season was the first season I didn't hate any episodes. How is it so far this season? It's really good, actually. Yeah, I think there's been two very strong episodes, but, you know, you've always got to prepare for that weak episode that's going to hit. But I think, I mean, at the end of the day, you're a fan. You've got to stick with it, really. Yeah, I guess so. All well, right, Scott, congratulations. I think it's fair to say that Scott proved that he is a fan. Yeah. Uh, and we've learned two important things here. One, we've learned that Scott has just won himself a step C ticket worth oh, 27 good euros. for you. And an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. We've also learned that next week I'm going to select a super fan who has a specialist subject that I know something about so that I can write the questions. Fair enough. Alternatively, let's just put Matt Broughton on the payroll because he is brilliant at compiling questions. He's really good. Uh, Scott, I apologise, uh, but congratulations. Thank you for taking part and enjoy your prizes. Thank you very much. All right, my babies, that is it. We are wrapping up today's show. James, before we go, I got this thing, this fucking thing tonight. The London School of Economics, this debate I'm moderating. I still don't really know what it is. There is a very illustrious... A uh, group of people who are attending this thing, like some of the people that were like involved in the actual Ivy versus. Have you done your research, Joe? Have you read the 138 pages of legal documents that were couriered to your house this morning? I the, I have read some things. I just don't know. I'm really going to try to just work. You know, the whole thing is about like what's cheating and what isn't. And I'm yeah. going to try to get them, the panel, I think, to finally answer the question, is eating cheating? I think that's the real eating ain't cheating. That's how I'm going to yeah. kick things off. I'd like to you, quote, know, you know, you know, the, you know, the first golden rule for any performer is to know your audience. Something tells me that the people attending a legal debate, at the London School of Economics, aren't necessarily going to find that as entertaining as you think they are. So here's here's the panel of people that are going to not laugh at that joke, which I can't <laughs> wait for. Uh, Zubair Ahmad. Uh, a barrister at the chambers of Jonathan Laidlaw QC two hair court specializing in serious and complex crime. Neil Channing. Never heard of him. Peter Wilson. <laughs> one of London's leading experts in the area of gambling law, founding partner and sought after boutique gaming law firm, Peter Wilson legal David Wills, the David Mills, the managing director of market leading casino and security consultants, Casa compliance and He's also the current chairman of the Society for the Study of Gambling. So I really cannot wait for this. Th I'm going to, I mean, isn't this a scene from a movie like local comedian Joe Stapleton just completely fucks up college? I mean, I can see you hiring like David Dimbleby for this, but I'm not really sure how they ended up with you. Your biggest challenge, by the way, is going to be stopping Neil Channing from talking. You do realize that that is going to be a nigh on impossible task. Anything that keeps me from talking, I feel like, is going to be a win for me. <laughs> In all honesty, I did consider coming down to support you. However, I got a very kind invitation from one of our former superfans, Andy Gibbons, who is taking me with him to see Spectre this oh, evening. Oh, good for you! You know, my thing, they had to auction tickets off. Like, you can't even go. People had to win their way into this. Like... I, a couple fans got in touch were like, I no. won tickets. Yeah. I mean, it's way oversold. I, there may be a bigger crowd for my talk at the London School of Economics in your screening <laughs> of the new Bond movie. 
So anyway, I got that going on tonight. I'm a little nervous about it. I'll tell you guys about that. Maybe in Malta. Maybe next time we get on the show here. We are in Malta next week. Don't forget, we've got EPT Not Live at EPT Live. We've also got our live stream every single day from the 27th through to the 31st. Uh, with next week's show, I'm not sure if we'll have a, a super fan on location, but keep the applications coming in. Use the hashtag EPT Not Live, and don't forget, come up with a good specialist subject preferably something i know about so i can handle the questions i have a suggestion uh we do have a super fan slash team online member named mickey peterson who if we don't find an actual super fan to come on the show with us maybe mickey peterson would like to get involved mickey is on the list where he falls on the list depends on uh, how desperate we are oh wow wow geez sorry mickey I thought we were friends. Guys, that's it. (laughs) That's all the time we got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.